Hello and welcome to The Bulletin and Beyond. My name's Kimberly Price and I'm with our Deputy Editor Rachel Houlihan and we're going to discuss the topics of the week. So it was a massive week this week for uh, the topic of consent nationwide. We saw a lot of movement both in Parliament and uh, advocates speaking out more and more about this topic as we've seen in recent weeks. Locally, uh, let's start off with Bev MacArthur's comments uh, about the teaching of consent in schools. What did she have to say, Rach? So Bev came out and said that um, basically teachers shouldn't have to teach consent, that that's the role of parents. Um, she believes that, yeah, that's not an issue that should be in schools. That's for you know families to discuss at home. Um, There's a pretty interesting reaction online on our um, Facebook. We posted that story online. The vast majority of people disagreed and said that it's a whole community approach when it comes to consent and the teaching of it, that it is parents, it's also teachers. Everyone should, I guess, you know, be feel comfortable to say no is no and teach people that that means no. Um, so I think, yeah, Bev's comments didn't really flow so well with our readers. I think, yes, that readers agreed parents, of course, should be teaching consent, but I think they thought it should also be, you know, provided in there with education as well. Mm, and that came after the state government uh, announced that it would become part of the education system. And this obviously all follows on from uh, a couple of weeks ago where we had the March for Justice, uh, which was obviously in Warrnambool and Port Ferry as well. Uh, following on from all that as well, Brower College uh, was in the headlines yesterday um, over an incident that happened at a school assembly where the boys were asked to stand up and apologise to the female students. So can you walk us through sort of the reaction that happened from this incident? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is a really tough one. I think it was done with the best of intentions. However, it just didn't play out very well. And so basically, um, at an assembly, it was a session about, I think, consent and sexual assault and basically the topics that have been in the national media over the past couple of weeks, which is great. It's great to discuss them and, you know, go. But I think, it, unfortunately, it just went a little bit too far. Um, I think teachers and male um, students were asked to kind of stand up and, you know, be in solidarity with what's been happening and to women. But... Unfortunately, yeah, it, it missed the mark. Um, students, I think, were confused. They were upset. And then, you know, when they went home on Tuesday night, I think some parents were very, very angry and they got in touch with the school. Um, it has become a nationwide story. Uh, we had a story up yesterday morning. Um, we spoke to a couple of parents who were pretty upset and, you know, they weren't happy that this had happened. And then I believe, I haven't seen it, but I believe it was on A Current Affair, on Channel 7 News, it was on Sunrise on Friday morning. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, been a very big issue. Um, to their credit, Brower College came out on Thursday afternoon. Um, they apologised and they accepted, they conceded that, yes, it was inappropriate. And even though they did have the best of intentions, um, what they did, it didn't really hit the mark. And uh, I think it, yeah, created more confusion than, than good, unfortunately. Mm. But over to some good news of the week. After a very long campaign, there's finally been a funding announcement for the Princess Highway. So you know more about this topic than I do, having been at the Standard for a number of years. Tell us about where this sort of all started and, and what was announced this week. Uh, it's just, this is fantastic. I am, I am very excited about this. This is a campaign that the community and the Standard have run for many, many years. We all know what the dangerous and dilapidated Princess Highway West is like. It is basically becoming, in some parts, a goat track. So 
we have campaigned, I can't tell you the amount of stories I've written <laughs> over the years, and myself, other journalists, so many people in our team, this is a big win and we should be celebrating this because finally works will happen to upgrade the highway. It's dangerous, people have died, especially you know in areas like the, along the Mad Mile between Illawarra and Tower Hill. Um, so basically, last year, sorry, in 2019, Van Ten announced $60 million for the uh, duplication or uh, for improvements between Warrnambool and Port Ferry. And those works were dependent, he need, they needed extra cash, so they needed buy-in from the state government. Finally, after nearly two years, the state government has said, yep, we'll pitch in some money, let's get these works done, let's get going. So it's fantastic, it's great to see. Um, we've heard from so many motorists um, and road users over the years how dangerous that is from, you know, business owners. Simple things like I've spoken to Michael Steele from Bamstone. Um, he said that big, heavy uh, bluestone blocks on the back of trucks. They've, you know, going from Port Ferry to Melbourne, they're broken by the time they get to Melbourne because of the mm. condition of the road. So, you know... For industry, dairy, we need safe, secure roads that we can, you know, be, we are the food bowl in Victoria, send out our product across um, the state. So we need safe roads to be able to do that. So it's fantastic news. Can't wait to see the work start. Absolutely. <laughs> need to get on and get it done. <laughs> Thanks, Rach. I've got our sports journalist Nick Ansell here to talk us through the week's headlines. So first of all, Brad Scott came to uh, Warrnambool this week. He's the AFL Victorian boss. Uh, tell me what he was talking about with country football. Yeah, so Brad, um, you know, fairly high profile sort of person, um, former North Melbourne coach, came down to uh, announce that AFL Victoria was tipping in $250,000 for the Reed Oval project, first of all. So that was... Um, you know, pretty pretty cool. And then um, also one thing that we, we put the question to him about was um, whether or not AFL Victoria would encourage sort of country football leagues like the Hampton and Warrnambool and District League to introduce a medical substitute rule, like following the AFL's lead a little bit, given the, the sensitivity around concussion and everything like that at the moment. So, um, but he, he, was, he was quite sort of... Um, he was pretty emphatic with it, and he sort of said, "Look, I think the best the best option would we're always going to urge caution around that sort of stuff. So I'd encourage leagues to take whatever measures they think are necessary to protect players and everything like that. And they'll they'll also provide a little bit more guidance with um, the community concussion concussion guidelines, um, which they they're, they're going to release, you know, pretty shortly. So um, there'll be a little bit of support there for clubs. He also said it's really important that." There's a really strong framework for, for country clubs, given that doctors aren't always present at games and yeah. everything like that. So AFL clubs have two doctors, full-time doctors, that are you know on the sidelines that can assess mm -hmm. players and do concussion tests and everything like that. We have trainers that are that are pretty well qualified for that sort of stuff, but um, obviously you know being doctors are the are the ultimate experts for yeah. that sort of thing and can diagnose and and um, and assess. So. Um, yeah, it was an interesting visit, so it was yeah. good to be able to put that question to him. And with the Reed Oval uh, yarn that you did, where's that project at? Where what? Where's yeah. it all going? <laughs> well, the turf's in now, so the yeah. Oval's looking really, really good, and we're actually able to go out onto the Oval um, to, yeah, sort of get a feel for what it looks like and yeah. everything like that. So it was, um, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's looking really, really good. It's gonna be it's gonna be a really good facility. So they're just. Um, 
yeah, pulling it all together now. Um, buildings are, I think, starting to go up pretty soon. Um, it's, yeah, it's coming along really nicely and it's going to be, uh, yeah. Fantastic. And uh, over to cricket. So Jason Mungine is coaching Wesley. Uh, tell me a little bit about that appointment. Yeah, so Jason, um, obviously really well known around the Warrnambool district for cricket and all that sort of stuff. He's coached Naranda and Broly Christchurch in the past. Um, yeah, so he's been unveiled as the Wesley CBC coach, which is, um, I guess it's, uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a surprise, but, um, you know, he hasn't sort of, he doesn't have links there. So yeah. um, they've, they've approached him and sort of said, yeah, would you like to coach us? Um, he's got a really, really strong record of player development. They've got players that are quite young that probably need to be developed in that sort of way. So he's a really steady hand for them and they're sort of entering, they're sort of exploring their future at the moment um, and seeing what they can do to, you know, explore that sort of, that sort of thing. So they I know I understand looking at a few mergers and things like that at the moment. Yeah. So um, whether or not they take that path or where how things end up, at least they've got a pretty steady hand at the top to sort of guide them through. So, um, yeah, Jason, I'm sure will be a good, a, a really good appointment for them and someone they probably, you know, need in that role. So Great. And the results are in for the best recruit of the Hampton League season so far. So talk us through these results that you received. Yeah, so we put out a survey midweek, which is always a bit of fun. It's yeah. always good to get the readers' insight into this sort of thing um, to pick it pick it all up. So um, Shane Savage from Port Ferry, who's obviously a former AFL player who's come down this season, was sort of voted as the the the, the most uh, the, the the recruit that readers thought would have the biggest impact this season. So he's one. It was always I think always going to be between him and, and Ricky Henderson, who's on to South Warrnambool, who's also on straight out of the AFL. They're yeah. going to be Really, really, really good players, and it's yeah, it's going to be a real privilege for us to watch watch them go about you know their game this season. Um, Tim McIntyre at Caroid, who has played in the Hampton League before and has had a really has had a massive impact in his time. He went away for a season, you know, um, injured his knee, and now he's come back. Uh, he'll be a great inclusion for Caroid, someone who they'd be happy to get back through the door. Jason Rowan at Warnable is a bit of a legend around this area, um, is another big one. So a lot of sort of senior heads, people have, have leaned towards players that have sort of had runs on the board and they know what they're gonna get from them. So um, yeah, it was good to, to put that out there. And we'll, um, we also have a story online about that. So um, check it out if you wanna see the full results. Fantastic, we'll have to see if they live up to expectation. Yeah, <laughs> pressure's on, no, they'll be right, I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to The Standard through our website for all our stories and features. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country, the Gunditjmara people, and the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This has been a Warrnambool Standard production.